Hello, this is Tika and Jack. That's right. And so we are here with uh, Public Intellectual Radios, and we are here again to discuss Lovecraft. Which episode is this? Episode 7, The Lucky One. It's called The Lucky One? No, no. That, I was just saying, you know, 7. Oh. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. Magic number. And uh, what this was, um, was in some sense the, the travels of Hippolyta. So... As you know, in what was that episode one, two, three? Yes, episode three, she took them to Boston and she was going to pick them up. And then somehow they found the tunnel that went from Boston to Chicago, the north side of Chicago. And at that point, she started driving back home and then discovered her husband's map where Lovecraft Country was labeled. And wanting answers because she felt that something was being hidden she went on her own and this picks up from that uh that third episode so we're picking up starting again yeah yes and i and i i want to kind of start with this kind of idea um afro pessimism which is a lens of interpretation that accounts for civil society's dependence on anti-black violence um, in order to exist like black people's position in civil society is to be the enemy or for that society to view black people as the enemy um fanon um it's it's kind of like this idea and that is a combination of uh, is this you know of blackness or black womanness or what do you think it is jack wait what in regards to this show, this episode, she was a, it was a hero's journey. Yeah, that's is what it, I saw it as, as a hero's journey in which she, uh, who had been in many ways stymied as a child, as a great astronomer, she finds this amazing orrery. And when she manages to solve the puzzle to get it working, inside, in the sun, she finds a key and a little um, address which was rendered in in a digital latitude and longitude now immediately we stopped the episode why to the interwebs and that's what i did i went to google and i put in that exact address and it comes out to this little town in the middle of kansas now if you've read the book it's wisconsin now the the whole point of putting in wisconsin was to reference August Derleth, who lived north and west of Madison, Wisconsin, and the name has just dropped out of my head. But uh, Arkham House, the publisher for a lot of HP works, was in Wisconsin. And then the authors actually, I think, referenced something else. They, they talked about it being, what was it, Warlock Hill in Wisconsin. And in the book, that actually might be a reference to Mike Barron's comic, The Badger, and his his druid friend, who was a weather wizard that lived on Warlock Hill. So here you have kind of little, um, in, within the book you have these little Easter eggs. And in this one, she opens up the orrery and there's the big Easter egg of all. You've got a key. And the key is literally the key to the universe. So this is kind of one of those 
moments where Hippolyta has the keys to the universe and she's going to travel there to see what it is. And of course, appears. Now, if you take that address and put it into Google Earth, you get this crossroads out in the middle of Kansas. And when I was looking at it, I, I'm looking at it from above. I'm not sure. But there's a tree at the crossroads. And if you know the story of Robert Johnson, you know how he sold his soul to the devil to learn how to play the guitar. He was at a crossroads and there's an apple tree at the crossroads. So here she is, only this is the crossroads of her life as we're about to find out. And I think the thing is that we have two stories going on here. We have the hero's, the hero's journey and kind of this play on John Carter's of Mars, yes. which is kind of um, takes that the main character is a Civil War veteran, correct? Yes, he's a, a Confederate soldier that goes into a magic cave and ends up on Mars. And because the gravity is less and because he grew up under and developed under Earth gravities, his muscles are stronger and his tendons are stronger and her bones are denser and so he can jump and and fight and do fantastical things well also too this is part of the southern myth to kind of um to rehabilitate the south after slavery um and jim crow and all the horrible things that they did well, not jim crow this is this is like the beginning of the 19th century um this is a we try to think when we try to remember when this was Okay, so this is like the 1917, 1919, etc. Um, was that, I think that was when it was written. Yeah. John Carter was written. But of course it takes place just after the Civil War. There's No, no, I know that's what I'm saying. I, my whole point is it was, the story was to rehabilitate the South. Oh. There, there's a lie, kind of like Southern hospitality and all this stuff, which kind of started during slavery. Um, and this was another part of that myth. If you notice that the Confederates always look kind of sympathetic in a lot of these roles, especially starting from like 1910, 1920 on. That's my whole point. But um, the thing I thought was interesting was, you know, this character, the Southern Confederate character hero is being rehabilitated from this kind of like this lie. And you know, Hippolytia, Hippolyta, sorry, Hippolyta is, you know, no one's rehabilitating the black woman character. No one rehabilitates her. She, she ends up on this journey on her own. So that's kind of where it, you know, it, it, the past separate. Um, and what I was going to say in, in many ways, this is a mere development and, Later in the episode, we have this amazing fight between Hippolyta and the Amazons, these these African Amazons, against a charging army of of Confederate soldiers across the desert. It's it's fantastical, of course, but if you know anything about John Carter, in some ways, these are are uh, similar storylines. But in this case, it's not a white ex-Confederate; it's a black. Amazon, who's who's leading a few against multitudes. Yes, and so in this story, the the mother character, 
you know, actually, the thing is in the book, she's very intelligent. You know, she sh- if she had been a white man, she would have gone to astronomy. Um, she would have been a scientist. She would have been at Caltech. It would have been a wonderful thing. But, you know, in this world, in the 1950s segregated America, she was the mother and the wife of George. She was, you know, the wife of George who had this wonderful um, Negro travel guide based on the Green Book. But she didn't get a chance to go on these adventures. Um, sadly, as you know, um, George died and she ends up in this situation where she, you know, she gets, she gets, well, she, she, she gets, what, what is this called? This kind of globe situation? What is this? It's a globe or? The orrery. The, are, are we talking about the orrery? Okay. So she's claim this orrery now here's here's something that's interesting about the story if you remember we're kind of going back to oh i think that was that third episode where uh letty gets the house and at one point there's a door that will not open but it opens it opens for hippolyta and there is the orrery now when when we did a a description of this episode before in print I told people to count the ghosts because most people got the the eight maimed victims and they got Hiram but there's other ghosts in there as well if you read the book you know about how the original of the house um, uh, eventually goes from a adversary to a, a well a dangerous border uh, still still powerful. So Hippolyta is investigating this house. There's a door that won't open, but it opened for her. And that was something that I, I caught that was really exciting. The door opened for her, and the, the orrery was presented to her. It was lit up, it was operating, and it was something that would attract someone of her interests and education. She saw that and had possessed it. And then the next episode, it shows up at their their office with for the safe guide. I'm kind of going, ah, you're playing with it. And then finally, now in this episode, she solves the puzzle, and it opens up. But she leaves in the room, and her what is that? Her her niece Letty finds it and kind of realizes, oh, yes, what has she Letty. done? Yes. What has she done? And the thing is that she goes to this uh, um, this center that is a, 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 a what do you call it? Um, um, a, a, like an yeah, observatory it's, it's or a, I want to say plan. I want to call it a planetarium. She, but you're making it like that joke, the planetarium. Um, and she goes. She puts the key in, and she goes and and. and 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 the machine is not a time machine it's a multiverse machine so you're going into different universes and different times and she goes through this portal um okay she shoots some cops but (laughs) she goes she shoots a white cop and then she goes through a portal and ends up on this kind of spaceship and uh, I, I think it's she. She ends up at a planet with a very advanced civilization, and they take her on board. And at first, she's a prisoner, even though they say she's not a prisoner. Which, you know, this is a reflection in many ways of our society. Oh, we're free. Well, maybe not. Yeah. And that was, I think, 
part of the point of the entire development, the hero's journey she takes in this other lands where she thinks she's free and then she thinks she's free and she thinks she's free. And each one of these cases, it's, it's her in many ways exploring, but also realizing the, the limitations and, and uh, preconceptions she's had. Her limitation in Paris, where which was liberating to Josephine Baker, but she was still a black woman in a European society, even if she was away from America. Well, I think that was the whole thing. She, the the person whose was name was kind of this this uh, this person. I want to call her an alien because that's what we can call her. But she was a person. She was a person. Bean. Why don't we use being? She was a person on a different planet, a being, and her name was like Beyonce or something like that. And she was very tall, and she looked like that character from some cartoon that I know of I can't really remember but she kind of reminded me a little bit of Grace Jones if Grace Jones had a big afro but I know what she was based on I know the cartoon I just it's it's, it slips my mind right now um but it's um from the cartoon network anyway that's not the point the point is that she's she tells her you're not trapped here you're only trapped here because you think you have the power to not be trapped here and you know, it's, it's, and that's kind of why I reference the whole Afro pessimism, um, is that this whole idea that, you know, our life is kind of like our, we, we have to suffer in order for the, for, for the world to exist. Like black people have to suffer. And it was kind of like this character, Beyonce was essentially telling her that, she could be whoever she wanted to be. So it's like, I am, who are you? And she went, she went to go be Josephine Baker and she went to Paris. She went to the city of lights. But the thing is that she, she choked trapped there too, because she was like, I'm still not free. And then she was upset because all the years that she spent as a black woman in the United States thinking she was free, but it's, she was saying, oh, free to be a slave, free to this. But I want people to keep in mind also that it could be a little bit of the unreliable narrator going on. Um, and maybe even the people who are the writers don't even realize that they're unreliable narrators. <laughs> because they're Tied with that, there's, there's something else that's a nice juxtaposition. In this, this alien individual, um, I'm going to say on some levels... Uh, is offering her a place in this society and is is acting I don't want to say benevolently but at least uh, in a manner that is is at least somewhat positive let's contrast that with Ruby's experience in the last episode or two episodes ago so this is episode five we're now on seven Ruby gets a deal with a devil Christina and Christina gives her the magic potion, which allows her to take that and enjoy the freedom of being a white woman. But not only that, if you remember at the end, she says, it's not just to be a white woman to get a job. It's to do whatever the fuck you want. And there's also some interesting dialogue that went on in this episode between Christina and Ruby. So here's something that's kind of interesting. Christina is offering Ruby a chance 
of freedom, but this seems to be a freedom to destroy. Whereas the alien, the being in this episode is offering Hippolyta the freedom to become one of their society, to, to cast off those, those preconceptions. So there's an interesting parallel of between what's being offered Ruby and what's being offered to Hippolyta. In this case, I think this is part of the reason why the question is, does Hippolyta come back? Because she really is getting a good offer. Whereas Ruby was sitting and brooding on the window sill, kind of going, hmm, should I go back? You know? Well, I think also, too, this is, you know, the, the interesting part about this is that she, you know, she goes from Paris, which I, I really don't know why she didn't just stay there. That was just wonderful when she was dancing with Josephine Baker and they had Frida Kahlo in there again, kind of having this wonderful thing where you have um, people of color um, interacting with each other. Um, and but you're a gilded bird. You're a bird in a gilded cage. You literally are in the bird cage, La Cajo Falls. Um, whereas in this other land, I think that the offer was was genuine to become one of their society, not a not a a, a beautiful bird until you get old. And and this is this is one of the dangers of that society is is her freedom was to to be beautiful as long as she's beautiful and talented they will keep you in a beautiful gilded cage but when that when when your when your beauty fades out you go back into the world so yeah and i mean that you know that is correct um in regards to you know your perspective on that but the challenge is you know the, the the whole being in space and being part of whatever being they were talking about um and um they reference um sunra um space is a place how do you know i'm, I'm going to kind of quote him um how do you know i'm real i'm not real just like you you don't exist in the society if you did your people wouldn't be seeking equal rights you're not real if you were real you'd have some status amongst the nations of the world so we're both myths I do not come to you as a reality. I come to you as a myth because that's what black people are, myths. And that's Sun Ra. But, I, you know, I also want us to be very careful to understand that that's a perspective. It doesn't mean that that has to be, you know, we're watching a fictional account. We're watching science fiction. And we're also, we're, we're also looking at a series that is, the source material is you know, written by a white man, um, rough. Um, and while Michelle Green has done a wonderful job with this, I think we have to always kind of keep in mind that this is fiction and this is one person's perspective. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, in, of course, in 1950s, um, um, America, black people had a challenging time, but like I, when I was looking at the character Beyonce, um, you know, and I think about this, this artist, black people are in the future. <laughs> um, I, I, I feel that black people have more, um, or African people, depending on, um, where you are, we are all over the world. And while our places in some parts of this huge world may be challenging, um, we definitely are real we do not, I mean, because I think that's another thing they're trying to show, too. Like, a lot of people, black people in the United States, had 
during this time had to leave. They had to go to Paris or something like that. But I want to say another thing. A lot of black people went, a lot of black artists, African-American artists went to Mexico. I hope they're able, actually able, able to explore that because... Um, especially even in the 50s, a lot of African-American families that were artists, um, Debbie Allen and her sister Felicia Rashad, they went to Mexico and during their formative years because the racism in Texas was so bad, they decided to live in Mexico and they had a really um, great time. And there were quite a few um, African-American families, especially in the arts that went to Mexico. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that they somehow explore that on this show or maybe, you know, we can write something or something. I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I love the fact that they went on this hero's journey. I love the fact that, you know, she, maybe she didn't come back, but also too, she, her daughter, her, the daughter, the comic book character. Do you want to go in that? The comic book writer. So this is one of the big issues that we wanted to discuss is parental responsibility. You have this this amazing daughter. She's writing these comic books. Um, and, and those comic books are getting people in trouble all the time, just like in the 1950s. You know, Fred Bertham was right. This was the corruption of the adults. I mean, the innocence. But, but back to this, she, she lost her father. What do you do now? You know, uh, it's, it's a tragedy to lose your father. And you could see that as her mom was leaving on her journey. She wanted to go through the checklist. And what was the, the, the young woman doing? She was not happy. She gave her mom the new comic book, which uh, she lost the comic book. I can't believe that. The collector and me, she had a mint issue of an important 1950s comic book, and she, she crumpled it and lost it or just creased it. But, but back to this. You could see she was unhappy. Why? Her mom was putting herself in danger. She had lost one parent, and now she was potentially going to lose another one. And this is the kind of the debate we were having. What if it had been reversed? What if Hippolyta had died in, in the second episode in George? What would we have demanded? Well, I would have demanded that Dad stay home and watch after the kid. But, you know, maybe, maybe society... It has uh, different standards. I still think his he would have to stay home, and make sure she was safe. Yes, I think that that's, uh, you know, while we would demand that George stay home, I think that in some ways George would get off, uh, have a people would look at him less side eyed than they would look at um, Hippolyta. Hippolyta, I feel that it is. You know, because it's an idea that if you're a woman in society, you know, whether it be 1950s, 1970s, the aughts, or 2020, um, there's this expectation for women in regards to um, of children. You're supposed to live your life for everyone else, and so you know, if you're um, if you are um, a black woman, you know, you know, what I, I'm not saying it's all women, but it's you know, it's it's very. This, this kind of idealized black mother that is just, you know, does everything, is, is, every, is, is everything to everybody. Um, so it was kind of like, woo, you know, you're doing that. Um, 
Yeah, you know, and we were we were kind of looking at that that decision with a little concern and on some level, you know, what is her role now? Because it's not just that she's the mom, but she's also got to carry on with the guy. But on some level, I think you have to realize she was being a little dodgy in this. She said, oh, this is for a trip for the guide. No, it wasn't. She'd solved the puzzle. She was about to find something. And she she basically left her kid behind, packed up the car, was on this great road trip, got to see Bessie. And, um, you know, on some level, you know, this was about her. This experience was about her. Uh, now, the thing that I found interesting was and, and I kind of feel sad in certain ways. They really diverge from the book. And if you know much about the book, um, what happens is, is she actually goes to a very specific spot and she meets people that have been trapped all the way across the, the galaxy. In fact, the, the place was chosen so that they could actually see about where Earth would have been, but it's it's literally across the galaxy and they will never get home. So she meets people there and has experiences there. Um, <clears throat> but in this case, what it is is she's off to the, the, um, uh, 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 the therapy camp. Yeah, I am very, you know, I wish they had... The last episode was great because you got like this extra... Um, this extra um, into the, the the person into his life while he was in Korea. Um, I have to say though that there were some people who are. I have a friend who is um, who is a of African and Korean descent, and she had some challenges with this with that with that episode in regards to. She felt they should have brought up uh, the Japanese imperialism um, during that point and all that stuff. I mean, you know. But, um, go ahead, you were going to say something? I was going to say, the, the other thing that was a little frustrating was is that in the book, Hippolyta is able to deal with the problems entirely on her own. In this case, it's Tick that comes and bails her out. Well, I think that's, you know, there, to me, the one part of this show that, ha- that, they ha- that I feel the show handles better than the book book is ruby i like how they made ruby's character a lot stronger in the book it was it really did seem like wow well she got to be a pretty white girl and in in here it seems like it's more than that it seems very much deeper than that so i appreciate that um hippolyta's character I kind of am having issues because I did like the fact that she was going to these different planetariums all over the country. She went to California, Caltech, um, at one point. Um, and she, like you said, I, but you know, every, you can't always keep with the book. Um, but I felt that that was such a great opportunity. Maybe they'll visit that again, but that could be, to me, I feel like that could, that that section of the book could almost be a series by itself. I could totally see that being spun off into a series. 
So I'm hoping that those adventures are not wasted if they have a season two and they're able to kind of explore that part more. So that's what I'm thinking. I, I'm going to save it. I'm like, they, they're saving it for later. Maybe that's going to spin off because that would have taken too long to do it in yeah. TV format. I, I guess part of my hope is, is that they'll have a second season. At the end of the episode, they say there's only three left. There's another problem, though. There was a lot of gunplay, and the gunplay shot up the machines. And when Tick shot, shuts down the machine, he shuts it down rather brusquely. The sirens are coming. They're coming to take him away. And he, he, he grabbed the key. He grabbed the guide. He grabbed a couple of other things. He left the comic book behind. Uh-oh. And unfortunately, the comic book is signed. So, you know, they're, they're going to follow that back. Obviously, just like they did in the book in many ways. But what's what's frustrating is is that machine is going to require a lot of work. And as we've been learning in this, this stuff is fragile. And also, this stuff requires very, very talented, um, very, very learned individuals to put together. That this item was left out um and not under guard continuously was a is is kind of an amazing um well it's it, it for the people at omen is an amazing flaw uh but kind of going back to this you've got this this work that it will actually allow you to go through the multiverse and it's now damaged that it'll be repaired um, who's going to repair it the people that are inhabiting the work that isn't in the extended family the the um the freeman family are not nice people they're very powerful very dangerous individuals and the think that they would have let these african-americans to go exploring the universe wow um i i don't think that that will be an option I really don't. Um, the machine's in bad shape. And I'd like to make one, one other kind of comment about things like this. It seems like often there's the machine and it was made by the ancients or a really, really bright person. And at the end of the episode, it gets broken and there's no one that can ever rebuild it. And I find this in many ways a kind of a frustrating trope in a lot of science fiction i mean on some level they have to get rid of it otherwise you know it would change the world think about raiders of the lost ark at the very end what happens to the ark of the covenant that could destroy the nazis immediately they put it in a rare warehouse and you see it in the fourth one briefly but you know it's it's got to be hidden away um same thing with the, the cup gets lost in the the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the stones are lost in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and the crystal skulls eat people in in the fourth one. Well, look at how many movies um, cell phones have ruined. I mean, because now, now all these things, that, all these issues that you had, you, you don't have a cell phone. So, I mean, technology really messes up movies' plots. You really have to think harder. How, how to stop that, yeah. And and I've I've had fun with that, too. There's, there's a wonderful series of of short videos called how it should have ended and they have an amazing one for scream in which 
you know, they, they kind of talk about 911 and, and 411 are your best friends in, in phones when something's going on. You know, when the killer is talking, you scream out loud, help me. I'm in the room with the killer in the garage. And then your friends come and beat the crap out of them. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, just to wrap this up, we did not talk about Montrose at all. Um, and the thing is that, you know, he was beating Tick. I think we actually talked about this. I was saying, you know, he was being Tick because they thought he was soft. Turns out he was beating Tick because he was he was a, a gay man and he was felt he was afraid for tick being a gay man or he felt like i don't know what he was thinking but it was it was self-serving and tick realizes this he thought oh i thought my dad loved me and cared about me and that's why he was beating me tough love but it was not tough love it was it was um it was my might have been trying to beat the gay out of him this is self-loathing and in some sense it's it's really kind of sad in this episode he wakes up his his um lover is making him breakfast in bed and then he starts complaining about oh no the coffee's too sweet and the the bacon i don't eat bacon and and these grits are too watery and oh it's just ruined you know you, you you've we've i think we've all had that person You've had a short relationship with a, a, just a, a real pill of a human being. Someone that you kind of look at them and go, yeah, they, they look good at the club, but um, I, I, don't, I am never going to make you food again, ever. Um, <laughs> I'm going to spell that coffee in your lap. Well, yes. I mean, he was being just awful to Sammy. Um, Sammy was just very much like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave. And the thing is that right at that moment, Atticus and Letty kind of show up. Show up. Realize what's going on. Yeah. You have the moment in the, the hallway. Sometimes they call that the walk of shame. But in this case, it's more of the, the <laughs> Sammy and, and Montrose are arguing the hallway at, at, oops, there it is. Yes. Oops. There it is indeed. Um, and <laughs> It, you know, so we, you know, was, was wondering what's happening there and we're going to see what, what went on, but it was, you know, it was a not, okay. I'm going to say the cop did, police officer did get shot, but other than that, it was a very not, not so violent, gruesome episode. Not that many scary things happen. It was just kind of a fantasy type of an episode. Um, and you know, that's, that's it. And like I said, this is like a, a I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how they wrap this up um, and finish this in October. So that will be all, unless you have anything else to say, Jack. Hmm. I like the comment about fantasy. And in, in all of this, returning to the juxtaposition, the being, what I believe it was Beyonce. Beyonce. Beyonce, the, the, the intelligent being, offered her not just a fantasy uh, flashbacks uh, a, a a thing but a place in society whereas Ruby is offered a a mask wow with that we uh, bid you adieu um, we will have a good night have a good night and uh, we'll see you soon <laughs>